What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Theology and Worship Podcast. Our mission, of course, is to equip the worship leader for spirit and truth worship. Today, I want to talk about this concept that I hear all the time, that worship is a weapon. And I know that this sounds really good to say, and I know that it, it's inspiring. It's an inspiring phrase that our worship is a weapon. And I know that it comes from the Bible. I know about Jericho. I know about Jehoshaphat. I know about Paul and Silas sitting in the jail, singing hymns, and the, the, the prison doors are swung open. But how does, this, how does this tangibly come out in our lives? Because worship is a spiritual reality. It's a spiritual reality of something that's happening deep inside of us. And so how can that possibly affect the outside world? How can that spiritual reality have a physical consequence? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And like I mentioned a second ago, this is a deeply biblical concept. We see again and again and again the people of God using worship, using using worship through singing, to actually win the victory in battle. I, I just heard recently, in fact, I heard someone say that you wouldn't want to go to battle with a pitch pipe. And I just, from my experience, from what I'm reading in the Bible, I don't see that to be so. I don't see that to be the case. Here's the thing about worship. Number one is worship centers us. I've come to this realization that this thing that we want, world peace, peace on earth, uh, for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. This is an ideal. This is a this is a mystery that we've never seen accomplished. We've never actually seen this physical reality of heaven on earth, and yet it's something that we long for. And that faith or the act of worship is actually physically and tangibly pulling this reality that we have yet to see into our tangible experiential reality that we live in now. That's what faith is. That's what worship does. It actually pulls that reality into our reality, and we can see it with our mind's eye. That's what, that's what faith is, the ability to see something that isn't there. We've never actually seen a world that is at peace or a world where every mouth is fed, every tear is wiped. We've never, we've never seen that world, but with, with faith, we can see that, and then worship is the ability to grab that and pull it into our world. But the fact of the matter is, there is a battle raging inside of us, and we can never be a people that brings peace upon this earth, no matter how great our faith, unless that battle within us has been calmed by the peace of God. Worship centers us It gives us a center of gravity, a a realization of who we are in light of what God has done. It proclaims over us the reality of who he's called us. It centers us. I love in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we have Jehoshaphat, one of the leaders of the nation of Israel. And in verse 12, it says this, he's up against an insurmountable enemy, and he comes to this conclusion, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. Not only does our worship center us and remind us of our calling and our value in the eyes of God and what he has done uh, to accomplish this on our behalf, but it also centers us on him. 
It fixes our eyes on him. It gives us the realization that without him, we are nothing. Without him, we do not belong, but we've been made to be those who belong. It centers us on him. And here's the idea. The idea here is that if you want to accomplish great things, look to something far greater than yourself. Worship becomes our weapon when our eyes are off of what's in our hand, what we're limited by, and our eyes are on something greater, God, who is not limited by anything. That's when worship becomes a weapon. We need to fix our eyes on God. I want to go on in the story here. I want to get to verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Israel fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Worship it, it centers us in our being. It centers our eyes on God. But it also centers us on the mission that he's chosen to accomplish. If we altogether let peace wage war in our hearts and have the victory and calm that storm inside and experience this inner peace and then fix our eyes on a God who can do the miraculous, uh, imagine what a people with their eyes fixed on God in this way, imagine what they are capable of. It fixes our eyes on the mission that we have to accomplish. It unifies the body of Christ. Look here in verse 18. Jehoshaphat bows his face to the ground and worships God, and all of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fall down with him. They are unified in spirit and purpose in this moment, centered on who God is, eyes fixed on him, and they are ready to accomplish any insurmountable odd before them. This insurmountable horde, it cannot stand against the people of God because worship is the weapon of their warfare. And look what the next verse says. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. We know from 1 Chronicles chapter 6 that these particular parts of the tribe of Levi were appointed by King David to be the worship leaders. That's literally who stands up in this moment. I mean, you've got to capture this moment. Jehoshaphat, as the leader, is bowing before God, centered uh, uh, in his own spirit on the peace of God and eyes fixed on God with God at the center. And then all of God's people bow with him. And then all of a sudden, in this moment of a proclamation of victory, the worship leaders stand to their feet and begin to praise God with loudness. I love that picture of what we are capable of when we come together, centered in ourselves, centered on God with worship as our weapon. Look how this concludes here. This is beautiful. Verse 21. And then when they had taken counsel with the people, I love that. He said, what should we do now? What's the plan here? Here's the plan. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in a holy, in a holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. He says, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Put on your Sunday's best. Get out there. We're going to sing. Let's go. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. We're going to remind God of the promise that he made to us, that he is steadfast, that his love endures forever, that nothing can, can, can make that promise not stand because it's based on his faithfulness, not ours. And verse 22, they begin to sing and praise. And the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. 
The victory was won in worship. And I want to point this out again and again and again. The scriptures say that the worship leaders go first. When there's an army that is coming against the people of God, the worship leaders go first. When there is a flooding, raging river that needs to be crossed, the worship leaders go first. This is a pattern in the scripture. The worship leaders go first. What would your community look like? if we could center ourselves with worship as that, that vehicle that reminds us of who we are, if we could center and fix our eyes on God who is able to do abundantly and exceedingly more than we can ask or even imagine, and what if our people were unified in this vision centered on the mission of the church to see it on earth as it is in heaven? And what if we had the boldness to step first? What would God do?